Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. This is Tom Jones, Tampa Bay Times columnist, and it's a special edition for two reasons. One, we have a special guest, Joe Smith, lighting beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, and two... We're trying something new. We are at the Joe Smith uh, Bureau, Hockey Bureau, which is outside <laughs> poolside at the Hollander Hotel in St. Petersburg, Florida. Joe, we've never done an outdoors podcast before, but it seems fitting. Hockey in Florida, we do it outside. That's how we roll, man. Absolutely. It's January in Florida, and you're outside enjoying yourself. Might make everybody else jealous up north for that, too. The All-Star Game's coming to Tampa. Who would have thought? So it's the bye week, so it's a bye week edition of a podcast, you know. So that's the way it works. There you go. You mentioned a bye week, Joe. They go into the bye week uh, with a four and three and one record and uh and struggling a little bit although not overly but a, a couple of reasons for concern we'll get into to some of that but uh this break is it coming at a good time for the tampa bay lightning i think so I mean, they're in a really difficult stretch of 13 of 16 games on the road a lot of travel to a lot of cool cities um i think it came at a really good time too for andre vasilevsky their number one goaltender who started 37 and 38 games in the first 44 um, obviously, he had some struggles in the last three games before the break. Not all of his fault. Team didn't play really well in front of him, but I think just for him, not physically, but mentally, could use those days off. He didn't, I don't think he went anywhere exotic this trip. I think he just kind of laid yeah. back and relaxed because they need a fresh Andre Vasilevsky for the second half. And I think now it gave them a chance to kind of exhale and realize, okay, Victor Hedman's not going to be here for three or six weeks. They can kind of reset their plans and, and, their, and their scouting reports to figure out how we're best going to make sure that this, we can kind of sustain this uh, for the next three to six weeks. Uh, we'll talk about Victor Hedman in just a moment. But let me ask you about Andre Vasilevsky. You bring him up, Joe. Uh, is there any concern on the lightning spark? that he is playing too much is there any concern that come late in the season because clearly this team's going to make the playoffs that that he might run out of gas at some point or is that something that they're really not all that that concerned of well they're not concerned when i bring it up too and they think you know they're like well ben bishop started 64 games with the lightning when he was here and any number one goaltender you look at the list of the in the games played in the league uh, number one goaltenders, he's probably like you know right there with first or second, but a lot of guys have played that same amount of games that he has. So it's just different because this is his first time going through it, and you never have that first time until you actually go through it. But they feel with him the way that they built the schedule in, where they have the bye week, they do have the All Star break, which he won't be have a break for that. But they find ways to get him some time in between. He's worked his schedule around differently to where he doesn't do some of the optional skates. He just has less time in the gym, so you try to alter his routine. I don't think the issue is physical, Tom. I think the issue is more of a mental thing where you have to go through that grind of a season, deal with a couple of rough losses or deal with a good, really couple of good wins. And I think they just want to make sure he's mentally fresh for the postseason. But anybody who talks about him, talk about his work ethic and all that stuff. So I think they're not worried necessarily about the way he's going further. And these last three games, last three starts where he gave up, what, 15 goals? Not overly concerned the Lightning are about that? No, I mean, if you watch the game in Ottawa, it was not his fault by any stretch. They were just giving up so many chances that there wasn't much he can do about it. We were so used to his brilliance that he's used to bailing them out night in, night out, and he didn't bail them out, and it just kind of showed the margin for error if they play that way. 
especially without Hedman, they're going to be in some trouble there. But I think the last game was maybe the one game where I'm like, okay, there's some goals there that he usually wouldn't give up. Yeah, he has yeah. some bad bounces here and there. But I think if they have if this continues the next three, four games after the break, then you can start being a little worried. But I don't think I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt in the first half of the season that he can be back and be okay. Ray, uh, Joe, when we look back at the, this um, this first half of the season so far, things couldn't have gone more perfectly for this team. And then... All of a sudden, they get the injury to Victor Hedman. It was a scary situation, Joe. You were at the game. We both looked at the replay of it several times. It looked way worse than when Steven Stamkos blew out his knee a year ago, and he ended up missing the rest of the season. That was in November. There was talk originally that, boy, if Victor Hedman's out for the rest of the season, this team's in real trouble. How thankful, how, how much of a sigh of relief is this that it's only going to be three to six weeks? And just speak to, to what Victor Hedman means to this team. Well, I mean, I talked to gentleman manager Steve Eisenman on, on Friday about it. He's like, you know, of all the outcomes we could possibly think of when that injury happened, we were relieved that this was a shorter term because, as you mentioned, if he's gone the rest of the season, that's a big hole to fill in your blue line if you have that for longer months. But if it's weeks, not months, all of a sudden, maybe in three weeks now, he'll be right. back in the middle of February. So I, I think overall they were encouraged considering how it looked and how it sounded after the game. Uh, because you know, no matter what, you can have depth. No matter, you don't have any Victor Hedman's in this in this team. Right. You have one of those. You maybe six bona fide number one defensemen in the league, whole league that can play thirty minutes a game like he can. As they, and Cooper Olsen says, as we as he goes, we go because of the way he can fuel the rush, he can play all situations. He plays nearly half the game time. That's a lot of minutes yeah. to, to fill up. So I think. It is, I think guys will be so relieved and, and, and excited the fact that he's will be back maybe in a few weeks or time and not have to replace him. But that trickles down to everybody else. You now once he's gone, uh, somebody has to step up and play those minutes too in more meaty minutes too that they may not used to. So who will that be? Who will they turn to? Obviously, Anton Strawman's on, on a, a top pair. Um, but who will they look to to sort of pick up some of the slack with Victor Hedman not for the next, whatever, three to six weeks? I think one guy is Mikhail Sergachev, and they gradually tried to ease him into the NHL, National Hockey League. They started to kind of, like, not say protect him, but they didn't put him against top matchups early in the season. They, they didn't play him 18 minutes a game. They played him 13, 14, let him with one of the best, you know, most steadiest defensemen in the in the, in the the league, and Anton Strawman as his partner to ease him into it. Now it's kind of the growth curve is getting a little bit increased. They want to give him a little more more and more. Now, suddenly he might get a chance to play that top pairing with, with Anton Strawman. He was already at the top power play unit, once Hedman went down on Thursday, I think he'll be in that role again. So it's just it'll be interesting to see how he, he responds. They don't want to give him too much too soon, but they also know he's kind of earning some of those minutes as well. So it'll be one guy I think I want to watch the last next three weeks or so is Mikhail Sergachev and how he can handle that increased role. Do you think that they'll look at these next few weeks that that uh, that Victor Hedman's out of the lineup, uh, Joe, and and make a determination about whether or not. They need to go out and get another defenseman before the trade deadline. Absolutely, I think this next month or three to six weeks will be be huge. And fittingly, it's three to six weeks towards the deadline too. Uh, Steve Eisman wants to evaluate what he has, and now see they got to the best record in the league in the first half of the year with the current group of defensemen. But I think overall, along they wanted to look at the market and see what's available on the blue line, even when Victor Hedman is healthy. And so, if they can see these these guys come in and step up, if Slater Cuckoo can play well, if Braden Cobra can show he's healthy, he can play a little more increased role. If uh, Jake Dodgson maybe gets out of some of the struggles he's had in this first part of the season, and yeah. if Sirikchev can, can show he can rise to the occasion, all of a sudden that need for a blue liner, which are so expensive and hard to get, isn't quite as as as, as increased as, as, right. as, as bad as it is you might think of it right now. But all of a sudden these guys start to struggle, you know, get a little bit leaky back there, and, and, and Vasilevsky can't belly out the whole time. 
you might have to think a second thoughts about, okay, maybe we need to give up a piece here to get a top four guy that we need for the down the stretch. If you were to get a top four guy, Joe, I mean, you're talking about a pretty hefty price, I would think. Because um, now you're talking about a guy like a Tyler Johnson or an Andre Pilat. I can't imagine they would trade Andre Pilat. What's the the realistic chance that they would part with a, a pretty quality forward, maybe a guy like Tyler Johnson, if they were intent on getting a top four defenseman. If, if, if you're trading Tyler Johnson to me, it has to be a really good top four defenseman you could have under contract beyond this year. Yeah. A, a young, controllable, right-shot defenseman who can play in your top four, can play in the, in the, in the playoffs, and be that guy. Because you don't want to give up a guy you have for seven more year, or six more years under a contract for $5 million, and, then you're, and you don't want to give him up for, for a guy he'll lose in the offseason. So I think right. if that trade's to be made, it's to be a big one. Um, they also, Tom, they have some draft picks. They also have one of the best prospect pools in the league. You saw World Juniors, four played for Team Canada, one gold medal. So they have more than just a current roster to deal from. If it's a guy that's not a big cap pick, they only have a few million dollars in cap space at the deadline. So I think they trade a guy like Tyler Johnson for a big deal for a legitimate top four caliber guy. I always thought if it was a Jacob Truba type deal, yeah. you'd make that kind of decision. If it's like a Cody Cece or somebody else lower than that, I don't think you could do that. Make that make that call. Uh, Joe, what's been the difference, you think, in Tyler Johnson this year? I mean, obviously this guy was an elite player a couple years ago. He's always played well in the playoffs uh, whenever they've made their deep Stanley Cup runs. Um, and yet we didn't see that guy kind of for big chunks of last season. What's been the big difference this year? particularly because he started off so slow, although maybe a little more unlucky than bad the first month of the season. But what's been the difference? Why has he caught fire here this last month, six weeks or so? I think confidence and opportunity. I mean, you look at the start of the year, he was as healthy as he's been in a while. He was strong and he felt con- and he felt great. But he was in that third-line role that he because Braden Point played so well and, and kind of overpassed him a little bit to have that shutdown role where Tal Johnson was in a third line that had Alex Kalorn and a rotating third member. He never got the consistency. And he was getting as many chances as he had historically the last number of years just weren't going in. So he kept with it, and he stayed positive. And once he got moved to wing uh, a month and a half ago, it really started to take off. He got two goals in that first game next to Stamkos, and then does the confidence. Once you get a goal score and you're streaky, once you get one, like it may come in bunches. So I think that's kind of where it started. The confidence started to come back. And he's playing with some really good players, too, sure. and Andre Pallad and Braden Point. And he said that they're just having so much fun right now together. The chemistry has helped, and the confidence has really helped him become the kind of player that you know we know he's capable of being. Another thing with Tyler Johnson, Joe, he's really good on face-offs. He's probably their best, at least statistically, yeah. their best face-off guy. How much of a concern is this face-off thing? Because they're about, what, middle of the pack in the NHL? They're are the we, last, one of the worst teams in the league in face-offs. Yeah. I mean, do we make too much of it? Or, or I mean, because they're winning games, even without... Uh, winning a ton of faceoffs. How, how much of a concern is this? It's not the be-all, end-all um, by any stretch, but I think you, if it's more of a situational thing, like they're 38% in, in penalty kill, which is why they've been struggling on the penalty kill a little bit. I think it comes down to playoff time where everything is so magnified and so small where one big draw on the PK, all of a sudden you get the buck out of your zone and, you're, and you save yourself a power play goal to end the game. Or in the power play, those things are, the percentages of 40% or 48% are, are kind of, back and forth, but it's the situational draws that'll be so important. That's why. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month. Over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
they feel with all the centers they have on this team, they could be help themselves internally without having to go off and get a face-off guy, they think, on the external market. Uh, Joe, the first half of the season, as we mentioned, other than the, the headman injury and a couple little nitpicky things like face-offs and PK, which is about middle of the pack, um, this season's gone about as well as it could possibly go. Are you surprised that this team is on the, on the pace that it's on or not surprised at all? Well, I, I think, Tom, when we went into the last season, we thought that they'd be this kind of team, too, didn't yeah. we? I mean, we thought that they, after two straight playoff runs, that this is a juggernaut team. They're going to come in here and roll. And that may not this good, maybe not the best record in the league. I thought they'd be a playoff team. I thought they'd be up there in the division. I don't know nobody in this division really scares you right now with Montreal and Ottawa's right. and stuff like that. So I think in this division, they, they're bound to be this, this good of a team. But I think overall, uh, the fact that they were top best in the league at the fast loves he played like a Vezina Trophy candidate. Steven Samkos has played every single game and has played it pretty well. All those things have been like the best possible scenario. Right. If you went to the season and said, okay, Vasilevsky would play well, Samkos would play every game, and Braden Point would emerge. Like All these things that have come together. That sh- and Danger Hardy was a good addition. Chris Kunis has played well. So I think all the things considered, other than this Victor Hebben injury, it's gone as well as they possibly could think of we've gone. The, the Steven Stamkos thing, Joe, you and I talked about this before the season. And you did a story last year on Zach Parise. who was a guy that, right, that had a very similar type of injury and missed a good chunk of time and said, he didn't feel good even after he came back for a couple of months. I thought for sure it would be January, like this time, before we saw the real Steven Stamkos. He was he was stamping Steven Stamkos right out of the gate, right? Pretty close. I mean, he was skating-wise. I mean, you can tell the difference between him speed-wise. I don't think he's quite there yet. Admittedly, really? he'll, wow. I, I think he's a guy, he, he'll tell you, he'll be like, I don't think he feels 100%. Yeah, he feels better. I think it helped being with him and Kucherov, the chemistry early on, to help you get those points and get the confidence going, but I think he'll tell you. He's, I don't, he doesn't know if he'll play, be 100% ever again. He doesn't know what 100% feels like wow. anymore because, you know, you have the broken leg, you have the blood clot, you have, all of a sudden 100% is like, what is 100%? It's like the, before those injuries, right? So he has to find them different ways to do things. Uh, Scored a lot of his goals in the power play, of course, so I think he's been phenomenal. He's been better than we thought he'd be, but I think there's still another, another level for him to get to overall in his game. I think he'd be excited to get to at some point in the playoffs. And obviously Nikita Kucherov, Joe, he's been a sensational player uh, the entire season, and he seems to be more and more comfortable. What's, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Nikita Kucherov because of, you know, I mean, you you know him very well. Not a lot of stories are done about him because, I, you know, he's a, he's a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what's he like? In, is he a leader on this team, or is he um, more of a follower? Like, how would you describe sort of him in in the room? He's more of a lead by example guy. I think you've had a lot of guys in this in this team. I mean, maybe Vinny Cavier was more of a lead by example guy too. But I think Kucherov is a guy who's gotten more comfortable the last couple of years with teammates and talking and saying stuff. But I think he's more of an example, and they watch his work ethic. They watch. They saw when he was here in late June, early July, doing workouts by himself five six days a week, and that kind of set a tone. And people recognized that. Said, "Hey, this guy is doing. It. Our best players doing this. We should be doing this kind of stuff too." And so it's you know you can see him comfort level with the other Russian players and other guys like Johnson and Pilat and he's still even Stamkos they have really good conversations and, and chats but with the media wise he's getting better with that too coming out more out of his shell which is something important because he's one of the best players in the league but he's more of a lead by example guy I think to me than more of a ro- vocal I'm going to come into the room after a period right, and right, say right. we need to get these things together there's enough guys in this room that are, are leaders and vocal guys that can say this kind of stuff they don't need to keep Kucherov to necessarily say it what are your thoughts on John Cooper? Because, Joe, when you look back at last season, uh, you know there was some questions about this team when it was clear that they weren't going to make the playoffs. And well, Although they made the late run there and almost ended up making it. Stamkos was injured, but there was a bit of a thought, even at the first start of this year. I remember two or three games in, people were like, 
Yeah, maybe is John Cooper the right guy or not? Um, clearly, he's done a really good job. Is, is he a different coach now than he ha- has been the last three or four years? Or same guy? How, how would you sort of evaluate him? I mean, he still has the same confidence. He doesn't change his overall systems since he's been in the AHL, even in Syracuse or Norfolk. But I think he, even himself, has evolved as a coach and adapted to the league, both in how they do the scouting reports, both in how they do practices. Like, the training camp this year was a much different field than it was last year there before. And I think he knew he had to kind of crack the whip a little bit more than he did in the past. It's a veteran team, a very talented team, but he had to do a little bit more. So the coaching staff set the tone from day one. It's one of the hardest practices I've ever seen for opening day training camp. And they really kind of got the message across. It wasn't just – he can still be the kind of the fun guy, the kind of confident guy, the, the good quote machine for everybody else. But I think he's behind closed doors. You know, they're not – haven't had a practice since December 27th. Wow. You know, he knows the rest is the what he knows when to push the buttons, when not to push the buttons. And not perfect, not Scotty Bowman, not the best coach of all time, but I think he's he knows last year was a humbling experience for both him and the whole team. He made some adjustments because of that. And yeah, no, and it's worked out uh, worked out beautifully. Um, Joe, before we get back into to the lighting and the and, and what's left remaining this season, I did want to ask you a little bit about an outdoor game possibly coming to uh, to Tampa. What You've done a story, a couple of stories on this now. What, what are the realistic chances that Tampa would be on the list for an outdoor game? I think it's a matter of matter of when, not if, that they're going to get this game, and they've been pushing for it. I think Jeff Phoenix said two things to Gary Bevin ever since he, they met each other. So one, I want an all-star game. Number two, I want the next thing is the outdoor game. And I think that the, the all-star game will be a good situation for them to show what they can do. This is their first big special event NHL-wise that they've done in 20 years. Yeah. So this will be a good example to show what they can do in a world-class manner. But they feel they've done all the studies. They've did all, they talked to meteorologists. They talked to different – they did analytics on the weather and sunsets to know that they could do it. They could do it in Denver and in L.A. They could do it here. Sure. Raymond James Stadium. So they're announcing 2020 and 2021 in the summertime. Whether it's in that period, we don't know. But we know for sure that – I would imagine in the next five years, you'll have an outdoor game at Raymond James Stadium. for, the, for And the I'm, sure, I'm sure the NHL, too, appreciates the fact that Jeff Finnick and the Lightning bailed them out with this All-Star game this year because this was not a regularly scheduled All-Star game. This was supposed to be an Olympic year, and the NHL decided not to go to the Olympics. So the NHL is getting a favor done by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe that helps too, right? That helps too, I think. And then Steve Mayer, the executive VP for NHL, said this, this game itself won't change their thinking as far as the, we don't need to push this back five more years because they already had a, a special right, event here. Right. It won't help them or hurt them in a particular way. But I think just the fact that they were able to put, put, pull this off in such a quick manner that they pulled off the college football championship game and the Super Bowls it shows they can pull off these elite-level events uh, going forward. And I, I'm pretty surprised, Tom, I don't know if you are, that they weren't able to be, be a visiting team in one of these outdoor games, yeah, too. Yeah, right. You know right. what I mean? Like, they think with the star power they have with Stamkos and Kucherov, John Cooper is a media darling, you know, all these other guys, they need to be able to be a visiting team, even in an outdoor game in Tampa. Yeah, no, they, I guess they like to do it, like, with traditional rivals or whatever, but, I mean, we've seen games in the past that it's not necessarily rivalry games. Like, Pittsburgh and Buffalo aren't necessarily. Yeah. And that was the first ever Winter Classic game. So, no, I agree with you. I'm surprised they, they haven't had a game. Uh, Joe, as we go into the second half here, uh, what team in the East, if you're the Lightning and you're saying they're the favorite, I, I believe the Tampa Bay Lightning's the favorite in the Eastern Conference, what team out there would you think presents the biggest challenge for the Lightning if they were to get into a postseason series with them? I think Boston. I think Boston's a very good team. They played in Boston beat Tampa in Boston uh, a month and a half ago. They played three times from March until April 9th when the end of the season. Um, they're a team that has a lot of scores. Marshawn's up there. Uh, Pasternak, and they have Bergeron, who's great in the PSL circle. They really dominate them in, in the in the dot. You have a goalie in Tuka Rask, who plays pretty well, always kind of seems like he owns Tampa Bay. And they have guys in the back end with Chara, who seems like he's ageless, and McAvoy with the rookie defender, who's one of the best in the, 
in the league. So uh, they're a team I think the Lightning would be wary of. I mean, I think they could still beat them, but in a seven-game series, that'd be one fun thing to watch and to see how they develop. I think they're one of the best teams in the East that the Lightning has played so far. What what team in the West, just since we're talking about what team in the West has impressed you? I know you haven't seen everybody yet, but uh, Vegas, are they real? Vegas, they, Vegas, yeah, they're for real. Like I'm telling you, they're coming to Emily Arena Thursday night, the first game after the bye week, and the, the game that I they, that was the best game I saw all year was the Vegas-Tampa game in Vegas a month and a half ago. It was so fast, so fun, the atmosphere was so great, and they're, they're a team that everybody knows is legit now. They're not a fluke. It's 43 games in. They're one of the top teams in the Western Conference, other than Nashville, I think, and they play all four lines all the same way, and they just come at you like a relentless back and forth, and I think they'll be a team that if people are Lightning fans and want to watch this game on Thursday, they can see themselves how good this team really is. Last thing, Joe, as the Lightning goes forward here in the second half of the season, what's the one thing you're really looking for down the stretch here? Is it just the fact that, that John Cooper doesn't want to let him get complacent? Is it staying away from injury? Is it keeping Vasilevsky fresh? Like, sort of what is, what's the thing that you're looking for here in the second half? Well, I'm looking at the complacency factor, too. As much as they say that they're not going to look ahead, I think as it get, the calendar gets closer towards, towards April and the end of the season, they want that game to start right now. They want the playoffs to start right now, and they can't. So they want to be able to be playing. They don't want to peak in December or November. They want to peak in March and April, and they're hopefully get, get their game back to that level. But all those things you mentioned, Tom, I think staying healthy is one key factor. How the defense uh, somehow manages to find a way without Victor Hedman. See who, if Kislev or Cuckoo can play really well or Sergachev. Uh, looking at, you know, how they can play up more up front, how they can find maybe that other third or fourth line guy, maybe from Syracuse, come up and make a make his way into that roster. So a lot of little small things to watch, of course, the, the next half of the season. But, you know, it could be a long ride, Tom, you and me. It could more be poolside, a More poolside interviews. I was going to say, I, this has been my favorite podcast that we've done so far, man, hanging out poolside. You can probably hear the music in the background. we got to do this again, man. Absolutely, anytime. All right, thanks a lot. That's Joe Smith, Lightning Beat Writer for the Tampa Bay Times. That is the Rick and Tom Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast. You can also find Rick at NFL Strad. You can find me at Tom W. Jones. And, Joe, what's your Twitter? At TB Times underscore J Smith. There you go. If you have any questions, uh, hit us up. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time. Not poolside, but we'll be back next time with another episode of Rick and Tom Podcast. In the meantime, I'm going to go buy Joe Smith a beer. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 